0: welcome home and thank you for joining us here on the real life church podcast we
1: are people of faith with the voice of hope who are known by love we hope you enjoy this message well hey i'm glad you guys are here welcome home and uh we just felt like we couldn't really have a conversation about love and god is love and perfect love without talking about relationships and it just felt like this conversation had to happen and you know as I'm maturing and growing I'm understanding that um man we really need to have honest raw conversations in the church the church cannot just pretend you know because everybody shakes your hand and tells you they're doing good that they're actually doing good some people are dying on the inside but they they know how to speak Christianity but you know I've One of the things that we do is, you know, we do counseling, and, man, you meet people in every stage of life. And so uh, I wanted us to talk about, uh, so today it's going to be creating, dating, waiting, and captivating. She changed it on me.
0: I was going to put mating, dating, waiting, but (laughs) I thought we'd keep it, you know, above level. So, uh,
1: So... What that means for you is no matter where you're at in your life or in your journey right now, we hope to speak to you today. We hope to kind of bridge all of them. And so uh, let's pray together before we dive into this conversation. So, Lord, we love you so much. God, I thank you that the very hairs of our head are numbered. You know what we have on our heart, what the words are on our mouth, even before we say it. And so, Lord, I believe today is ordained and I just believe you're going to release nuggets of wisdom and grace and truth and healing. Lord, as Sandy's are healing is in the room. And so, Lord, no matter where this stuff hits us today, God, we open up and allow you to heal us right where we're at. Holy Spirit, come. Release your grace. Release your healing. Anoint these words. Set them on fire to devour any of the the junk that's in our life that's trying to keep us in bondage and trying to keep us out of abundant life. Jesus, you said that we would have life and have it to the fullest. Have it more abundantly. So we desire that. Lean into this space with us, God. Speak to us. Give us ears to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. I know this conversation today can kind of... find every person on every possible spectrum, uh, no matter where you're at. If you're in an awesome marriage, a great marriage, and you're kissing each other on camera, or you can't stand the way your wife or husband looks, um, we're hoping that today God can speak to you where you're at. And I know there's a temptation to say, man, okay, you missed me today. This one's not for me. And you're right. It's not for you. It's for us it's for humanity, it's God's design, God's desire, God cares about relationships. And so maybe whether you've been divorced recently and you're suffering with the pain and the fallout and the rejection and the wounds that come from that, and maybe you're in this moment where you're like, hey man, I've trusted someone with my heart and it got broken and I got damaged and I don't think I can ever do that again. I want you to know something. God knows, God cares, You're not second best. You're not broken beyond repair. There, God has a plan for your life. Maybe you're widowed and your spouse has entered what the Hebrews call gone Eden. When they talk about eternal life, they call it the Garden of Eden, the, the garden to come, the world to come. And I think there's something beautiful in that because that's where relationship with God began. But maybe you're widowed and all that you've been left with is the cherished memories and photos and videos and and, and the, the treasures that God's left behind for you of a life that was real and a love that was true. Maybe you're here today and you actually feel called to live single. And, uh, you're like, you know what? Uh, I am just not for that at all. And you know what? Uh, I was, I was actually going to open today with Romans 7 1. If you guys want to have a good laugh today, just go home and read Romans 7 1. I think this is the Apostle Paul having fun. He says, It is good for a man not to touch a woman. <laughs> that was going to be my opening text today, but like, dismissed, go and obey the Lord, you know. <laughs> John kind of stole it. He said, uh, uh, what, How did you begin it, John? Don't do it. Yeah. In the words of the Apostle Paul, don't do it. Uh, But um, so, you know, uh, maybe you actually feel called to live out single. And you know what? I, I, I want you guys to hear this. I want you to hear it clearly. I want you to hear it plainly. You're not a second-rate Christian. You're not, you're not less of a person because you don't have a spouse or someone beside you. Jesus himself chose this path. The Apostle Paul himself chose this path and then warns anybody who wants to get into a marriage. So maybe you can say, matter of fact, the Apostle Paul says, I think it's better my way, and uh, I encourage everyone to do as I've done. But nevertheless, some of you guys are weak and you need somebody in your life, you know. Um, but I I really have to say that, and and I know we're going to kind of hit on both of those things, but um, to me, you know, can we, we're family, this is real conversation, you know, Um, you know, Jenny and I have, have asked, and, 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 you know, people experience loss in their life, and she's like, if, if something were to happen to me, would you get remarried, and I've told her no, because, she doesn't believe that I can do that, but, uh, but uh, you know. I know my husband. <laughs> but before we were married, I didn't need anyone to complete me. I, I I was I was happy in God, and I was actually matter of fact. I was freaking my wife out because she was like, I don't know if this is gonna work out because this dude's talking about going to other countries and living. You know, in uh, trash heaps and third world countries and yeah, stuff. And
0: he, when we, uh, we'll kind of get into a little bit of our story. But he was talking about. He said, "I think we're going to go to Africa. You know, and if I have to die for the gospel, if I got a gun to my head, and I'm like, whoa, 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 Lord, I don't like leaving the comfort of where I'm at. Like yeah. I'm not a, I'm not an adventurist. Um, he knows that about me. And I was like, Lord, I don't think this is for me. So yeah. So, uh, yeah.
1: so um, I, I just, I do want to speak to if you're single and, and listen you're important, and you're not less of a person. You're not less of a Christian. According to the Apostle Paul, you might be a better one. Um, so uh, whether you're in a struggling marriage or a happy marriage, I think we can all agree that marriage is God's design for a healthy and a thriving society, and uh, it's a pillar of, of the life. It's a pillar of life, and um, marriage is under incredible scrutiny today. Would you guys agree? And as a church, we cannot, we must not avoid this conversation. So I want to read you guys a few statistics. The highest marriage rate in the world is among evangelical born-again Christians. Eighty-four percent of uh, evangelical adherents have uh, been married or are married. Evangelicals, good news, also have the lowest rate on divorce in the world other than Asians, and people who make a lot of money. <laughs> um, so I, th- I think that's interesting that um, marriage. Now, here's what becomes a little concerning. Marriage has dropped 60% in the last 50 years in secular society. Couples are either waiting longer periods before getting married or avoiding it altogether. The divorce rate is somewhere around 41% in America for first-time marriages uh, most of the time, the women's liberation movement is actually cited for the reason why marriage is suffering this decline in American culture, because before, the woman needed the man to go out and provide for the family, and there was just this this societal role that women played, but... Um, as time has gone on, women are now getting degrees in college, they're smarter than their husbands, they can make good money, and uh, now there's some stay-at-home dads and working moms, and, and, uh, but the dependency upon a man in those old roles are kind of just vanishing away. Uh, three months ago, a survey was taken, listen to this, this is, this is important because I see this in my, my people in my life, uh, right now, one in five Americans... Think that marriage is necessary or essential for a happy life. You know, I, I know women typically grow up playing the Barbie dolls and the Barbie houses and and the dream of the prince and the getting married and the family, and according to American society, only one in five of them even think that that's essential or necessary anymore. Today, we want to speak to you regardless of where you're at in this part of the journey, and um, so those of you who are creating a life together, I just want to share just for a moment, and then we'll move into something else. Um, but as we speak to this, I, I want to share show you, show you a few scriptures. Proverbs 31 um, says, who can find a virtuous wife? Her worth is far above rubies. Proverbs 18.22 says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing, right? He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. But here's what I believe. I believe marriage is a reserved covenant. And I believe it's reserved for those who have found not just someone they can live with, but those who have found someone they don't want to live without. And there's a massive difference in this. Um, A friend, a lover, a good man, a good woman is something you find. But marriage isn't something you find. Marriage is something you build. See, love love at first sight is easy to understand. I think it's more of a miracle when the person you've been looking across the dinner table from for 25, 30 years and you're still madly in love. That's the miracle. A good marriage is where each partner secretly believes they got the better end of the deal. To those of you who are hurting or struggling right now, when you end up in a happy marriage, you understand it was all the pain, all the disappointment, all the wounds, all the scars that brought you into this moment of trust that allowed you to be vulnerable enough to love deeply. Contrary to secular thought, marriage is more than a piece of paper. It's more than a contract. It's a sacred and mysterious place called union. Marriage is about the union of two lives into one. And this is the sacred promise of God almighty who designed it when he said for this reason a man shall leave his mother and father and well yeah leave his mother and father and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh without being controversial I have to state the obvious is not my intention to hurt or wound or shame anyone but the marriage was designed between a man leaving his mother father and joining his wife that's what God calls marriage and I believe if you want to have an awesome marriage, you have to seek to serve the other person, to be a voice of hope in their life, a cheerleader in their corner, to compliment them and, and always celebrate the love that you have.
0: You know, and I think this is a big thing. We heard a lot of them talk about when we talk about compromise, you know, when RC and I got married, we we're two different people, Right. We're two different people. We have different ways of seeing things, different ways of doing life, different ways of making decisions. And when we, you come together and can compromise, I'm not just saying, like, oh, just throw in the towel, but you really begin to talk and you begin to work things through. You begin to listen, hear how they're processing, listen to why they're making decisions the way they want to make decisions. And it's when you begin to do that, you know, how many of you guys are married in the room? Okay. Okay. Would you say you love your spouse? Well, don't raise your hand. We'll just, because that may go really bad, and some of you will be sleeping on the couch. But let me say it like this. When I got married to RC, I loved him with everything that I knew what love was at that moment in our life. We're getting ready to celebrate 25 years next month. and um, But I thought I loved him. But I also told the Lord, walking down the aisle, before my dad walked me, I said, if you tell me right now to turn around I will. I love him, but I love you more. And that can kind of sound, because I said divorce is not an option for me. I'm making a forever commitment until death separates us. So I want to know that, I, that you, you this is the one you got for me. And I didn't feel no, so we got married. But um, now that love that I felt has actually grown so much more, it's so much more deeper, it's so much more richer, because of what we had to walk through, that we had to face, overcome, beautiful moments that we got to share together, hard moments that we had to share together, and you know, I think learning and compromising, communication, we say it all the time, communication, 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 and it's more than just us saying what we want to say, and not listening, it's it's taking in the other person, and I love Jesus as what well. Love your neighbor as yourself. Do the golden rule. If I want to be treated with respect and an honor, do I want to come in nagging my husband the first thing as soon as he's walked through the door after cutting, you know, when he, we first got married? I'm like, he's been outside cutting grass for 12 hours, sweating. The first thing I'm going to do when he comes in, excuse me, you need to do-da-da-da-da. No. I'm going to let him sit. We're going to, and does that maybe mean that I might have to take a back seat But I want to serve. You know what I'm saying? Like, we have to be willing to listen.
1: Well, and just on that note, um, I do want to share the story. Most of y'all have heard the story. But I shared it recently with a bunch of pastors, and they called me back, and they're like, dude, that was just phenomenal. So as Jason was talking about loving the voice of God last Sunday, if you weren't here you didn't hear it, I encourage you, go listen to our podcast, pull it up on YouTube, find it on Facebook. It's an awesome, awesome word from God. But he said a lot of times when we hear God – Our initial response is, that ain't God. This woman right here is proof of that sermon being true. I want to share with you just uh, as quickly as I can. Um, So I was in... um, I was in Charlotte, North Carolina preaching a youth revival and a guy from Kentucky was there preaching at the youth revival I put on and he came to me and I was going to school in Virginia and he came to me and said, you are not going back to school in Virginia, you're going to Ohio and you're going to go to World Harvest Bible College and you're going to meet your wife and she's going to be from Michigan and when you get married, she'll have blonde hair. You want me to tell you what I said to him? That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. That's not the Lord. Number one, I ain't going to Ohio. Number two, I don't like that place I don't like that preacher and i and I don't need a girlfriend and my mom believed every word of it, and my mom chided me, derided me, stayed on me thank you mama um and and she believed the word of the Lord, and you know what? I went to Ohio against my, against my desires, and when I got there, God was there waiting on me, and I I ended up meeting some girl from Michigan, and we never even really dated, and two weeks before we got married, uh, her sister was going to put some highlights in her hair. Now, she, my wife has dark hair. Um, It changes constantly. If you want to have fun, Loretta is the only person that has more different color hair than my wife. So, you know, some people, they look us up online, they're like, I thought the pastor was skinnier and had long hair. Like, what happened? Um, but so anyways, she had dark hair, and her sister going to put highlights in her hair to, and mess the whole thing up. So my wife just said, well, it's too late. I'm just going to frost it. Totally platinum blonde. And when we, I met my wife, I went to Ohio, I met my wife, and when we got married, she had blonde hair. So I believe that God can bring people together. I believe God can connect you in moments and set up divine appointments, and God can speak into your life and and bring you into a reality or a promise that he desires for you, because I didn't didn't even believe that word, but I love the fact that God gave me the greatest gift he's ever given me apart from his son, and that's this beautiful wife. And you know what? I could keep you here with stories all day long, but... We have made it through by the grace of God. Some of the hardest things that that s- typically lead to divorce. Uh, having a special needs child almost 50% of the time leads to a divorce. Filing bankruptcy. When when Josiah was coming through, we owed over a million dollars to Vanderbilt Hospital. You don't make that kind of money running a landscape company. We had to file bankruptcy. We've suffered. Financially, We've suffered the consequences. We've suffered children and o- disobedience and, and everything you can imagine. And we're here today, and we're just as much, if not more, in love than we've ever been because of the grace of God. So I'm thankful for that.
0: Amen. So I want to talk to you really quick about dating. This is an area that um, and this is not just for young people, but this is for all ages. I actually met a lady. She was in her mature 60s, and she said, um she was talking and she said, you know, I, I would, I date. I said, well, why don't you get married? She's like, no, I just hook up because I don't want to lose my SSI. And I was like, and somebody was standing next to me. And I said, did you just hear what I heard? And she was like, mm-hmm. And I, we just both got like, okay. So this goes for all ages. Um, dating, this, I, I had to look up the definition because if you go to look this up in the Bible, there is no Bible hits. There's no play in the field, thank you, John. So we got (laughs) dating, and I've looked this up in the Webster. It's a social engagement between two people, often with a romantic character or feel. But the word dating actually kind of came out, it was an interesting tidbit. In 1896, it was used in a newspaper column, and this guy was lamenting that his girlfriend was filling up dates in his calendar, and uh, it was filling in all his dates that he was supposed to be with her. And so that's kind of where this date kind of came from. And in the turn of the 19th century, women actually could be jailed if they were found on a date. Because they believed if a man was buying a woman gifts and presents and this, that they were not married, it was a form of prostitution. So this is a new concept. From all the other countries going out, marriage normally, honestly, was kind of done as a contract. It was to raise a lineage, it was for land, it was for economic status. I mean, there was a bartering program. So if we take it for today, if I was going on a date with RC and we were gonna decide to date, we'd be, sh- you know, doing donkeys and goats and trying to have a bartering exchange. It'd be pretty awkward for a state. But I wanna talk to you about dating, no matter where you're at. Maybe you are dating right now or you're just about ready. You know, you're, you're getting ready to have the define the relationship talk with your significant person. This is an area that God very deeply spoke to me, on. Um, and so I—I I was very young when I gave my heart to Christ. I was 15. I was radical, but before that, I dated a lot of guys. I know that sounds really crazy, but I came from a very, very, very dysfunctional background. When I was 12, I was dating a guy who was 19. Um, my stepmom was dating his brother. We—you know—that was just life. It was kind of crazy, and so. When I got I know, everybody's like, whoa, we're learning a little bit more about Pastor five, five. Um
1: it ain't just in Kentucky, y'all. And I know it was
0: it was in Taylor. But it, our nickname in Taylor, Michigan was Taylor Tucky. So um but so when I gave my heart to Christ, I, I beca- God just did such an amazing transformation in my life. And um I began to date the pastor's son. He was three years older than me. I already had graduated. And so, but my heart was, I wanted Jesus. Like, I wanted his presence, and that hasn't changed. And I remember praying one day, and it was about nine months in our relationship at that time. And uh, I heard the Lord say, No. You ever heard the Lord say, No, when you're in prayer? No matter what age you're at. And I said, Oh. And I knew, like, very deeply in my heart, it was no. And I already knew what no was. But do you ever do the bartering process with God? Am I the only one? You know, where you're like, okay, God, like, if I just give you more prayer time, are we good to leave this alone? I'll read extra, you know? And God said, no, I want all of you. And uh, I said, okay. And it was crazy. Everything was going good. That weekend, he broke up with me. And, you know, and I, I went through my, you know, teenage heartbreak. But this was the thing I kept saying, God, if this is really you, will you take the feelings away? How many of you guys have ever prayed that? Not just from dating. God's told you something, and you're like, all right, this is really you. You just take these feelings away from me. And God didn't do that. Why? Because he's given us emotions. He's given us feelings. They're not our dictators, but they do indicate things. And so I went back into this relationship. It became very toxic. And I ended up going to Bible college. So I get to Bible college. We broke up, and my husband was not there yet and i got there and there's a couple thousand students and i'm like oh my goodness there are hot guys here who love jesus you know and i'm from the 90s that's the word we use back then and uh i was like oh my goodness and so i just went like hoggy heaven and so i was on a phone call with my sister one day my stepsister and she said uh Jenny can I ask you a question and I said yeah she said you know you've been talking about all these different guys you're talking to and doing dinner with and she's like I thought you were there for Jesus now I don't know if any of you guys are like me but I was like I am here for Jesus I've sacrificed I said no to nursing you know I'm going through my list of all the things that I've done she's like I'm just saying and so we hung up the phone can I give you guys a little nugget sometimes people may say something and it hits your heart Pray on those things. Because when it bothers you, you may just need to forgive or move on. But it may be God trying to get your attention. And so I I took it to God in prayer, and I was like, God, get her. She's back there, you know, and and, uh, judging me. And the Lord said, no, she's right. He said, and I, I sound crazy even saying this now. He said, I want you to go on a dating fast. I want you to not date anybody and start June 1st and go to December 1st. Wrote it in my journal, tried to negotiate some things with him, but he said no. And so it wasn't a real joyful time. I wasn't real happy about that. But uh, God said it's time to spend time with me. And during that process, God said, you need to get, you, need, you have tried to allow people to fulfill places in your life that they were not meant for. And while, you, if you continue to do that, you will never have my best. We do this all the time, not just in dating. We do it through a lot of our relationships with people. We can do it with our kids. We put them in this place that they got to fulfill this need. We can do it with our spouse. We can do it with family members. And that's not the place that they're meant to be. That When we say, God, you're the center of it all, I give you my heart. I surrender all, right? God says, I want to fill that place. When you allow me to identify you, value you, when you begin to know my love, When you allow me to be all of that, then when you got these relationships that I bring in, it's going to add. And so it was a hard process. So I want to give you a quick healthy tip. I love this psalm, Psalm 37, 4 through 5. It says, make God the utmost delight and pleasure of your life, and he will provide. He will provide for you what you desire the most. Now, I would just like to stop there and be like, God, I desire a spouse, right? but you got to go on to verse five. Ready? Give God the right to direct your life. And as you trust him along the way, you will find out he pulled it off perfectly. So I was in this dating space on this fast and about three months in, this guy comes into my life. RC was still not at the school yet. I don't think this guy comes into my life and he says, I've been watching you during worship, which should have been flag number one. And, uh, Should have been flag number one. Don't be watching me during worship. Be on God, right? So he said, but I'm watching you during worship. You're beautiful, da, 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 da. And he was like, I I've, I just want to get to know you. And I said, well, first and foremost, I'm on a dating fast." And people looked at me like you're looking at me like, what? And I'm like, I'm not dating anybody. He's like, can we just get to know each other? And I'm like, mm, that might be in the gray area, but okay. And so we started to kind of get to know one another. And he kept trying to push it, push it, push it. And he was writing me letters and he was like, God told me you're the one, flag number two. And um, I, I heard about these guys in Bible college. But everybody that I had a pretty big circle that I ran with, and everybody was telling me, You need this is a catch. You're stupid if you do not like, you know, date him. Like he like, you're dumb. My best friend. And I'm like, no. And so I was, I finally, he kept wearing me down, and that's what the enemy, he's not the enemy, let me put this out, he's not the enemy, okay, but this is sometimes what the enemy will do, he'll wear you down, till you're finally like, all right, I'll just compromise, anybody ever done that, did a little compromise in your life, and so I, he asked me to go on a date, and he said, but listen, it won't be a date, you pay for your own meal, and I'll pay for mine, and we'll just meet at the restaurant, you know, and I was like, I feel like that's kind of skating the line, but I just—I was honestly going to have this conversation with them. So I'm, I i agreed, and I'm taking everybody home from chapel. I'm bawling my eyes out because I know I have disobeyed God, as silly as that may seem. I knew God said no, and I knew I was disobeying him. And I'm crying. I'm, I'm ugly crying, like mascara. I mean, it was ugly. And um, I smacked into the car in front of me. And uh, the car behind me smacked in, and a whole bunch of other cars, because we were all coming home from chapel. And I totaled my car. Nobody was seriously hurt. God did not make me crush my car. But I was like, oh, that was my disobedience. And so I ended up having a conversation, and I, I prayed. I said, God, what do I do? He says, you can go for that. And it may be good, but it won't be my best. And so I told him, I said, don't call, don't come by me, don't text me. Well, we didn't text because we had pay funds, but it was don't call. We were in the Stone Age. Flintstones were still around. Um, Don't call and don't pop by and all that. And uh, I said, till December 2nd, I'll be off, and then we'll see where things land. Well, I had totaled my car. My husband pops up in my life. And can I say this when you're dating? We put so much um, pressure to have those romantic moments and we're not really giving our true selves. Can we just have real talk for a second? If you're in the dating zone here, be real. One of the things that I loved, me and RC, we, we were friends. And uh, he helped me get a car and uh, was helped me shop. And about November, I could tell things were changing a little bit between us. And I said, you do remember I'm on my dating fast? He said, I know. He said, I respect that. He said, um, December 2nd. Can we do a date? And I said, sure. So uh we went on our date. He said, by the way, I'm leaving what, the sixth? I don't know, it was like a couple days. And I was like, What do you mean you're leaving? He's like, I'm going back to Sh- Charlotte. And I'm like, What? And he says, So we could be pen pals. <laughs> I'm like, dude, I'm about to come off the mark on the market. Like, you're gonna, know, you know. And um I'm just playing. Well, I wasn't, because I really did kind of go through my... I'm like, dude, I've been on a dating fast. I don't need to go on. So anyways, we we decided to be pen pals. And uh, finally, I went down in March, and uh, we had the define the relationship talk. I said, what do you tell people I am? He said, well, what do you tell people I am? I'm like, you're my boyfriend? He was like, well, I said you're my girlfriend. So that was our define the relationship talk. And uh, three months later, June, he asked me to marry him. And so that was our, and that's been almost 27 years. So, but can I tell you in that, we had to communicate. So my third point, first point is let God fulfill you. Allow God to guide you. Make God the center. Second, don't pick somebody who's unhealthy. Because I've watched this. We've been in ministry for, since we've been married for 25 years and I've done a lot of counseling with all ages of people and this is what I see when people get together in dating because they don't want to be alone they will go with somebody that they think they can rescue or save and this is what happens: you ever watch somebody who's drowning they drown the person who's trying to rescue them if you're not fulfilled by God if you're not in that deep close personal relationship with God I'm going to tell you trying to help bring somebody else up, you're going to end up drowning in the process. Men. Preach it. I know. That's what I say, John. This is good. And then third is to not be unequally coupled. Okay. Y'all love me. Remember that. Don't be unequally coupled. I don't think we're going to get to our other two, so I'm just going to take my time for a minute. (laughs) We'll come back next week. Do not be unequally coupled, or we hear this as not being unequally yoked, okay? So I I hear this a lot. So what? I'm just not supposed to, you know, what about them? Don't they deserve a chance? (laughs) Yes, they do. But if you're unequally yoked, can I get you a picture of, because this was an agricultural term where you have two oxen, right, that are, plowing the field if you got an ox and you got a pony not gonna work real well you'll be walking in circles the the yoke's not even gonna fit and this is what happens one person may be able to carry the weight for a while it can start off okay but guess what as you continue the walking journey and there's gonna be some dips in the past there's gonna be some ruts there's gonna be some hard times there's gonna be things you could get stuck in They're going to fall off. And this is where we have to be equally yoked. And so we've got this. I'm going to read this, and I'm going to tell you guys, I love you. I would rather preach grace, peace, hope, joy. I love those things. But that would not be being true to the whole word of God. Because God does give us holy parameters. Though there may not be things about specifically dating, he does tell us how to interact And how to have relationships and godly relationships. Okay? So here we go. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 12. Surely you must know that people who practice evil cannot possess God's kingdom realm. Stop being deceived. We live in a culture right now that this word dating, as I was researching it, it has evolved. And we live in a culture now that is crazily chaos. And confused. You can't turn on a TV show, listen to music, secular music, without sex coming up, friends with benefits, hookups, and all that does is feed our natural lust. Okay? Can we just have real talk? I don't think any of our young peeps are in here. They should be. But this is something. God, if we sow to the flesh... You will reap to the flesh. And even though these things may be fun, they bring destruction. When you're dating, set healthy boundaries. My husband knows. I remained a virgin until we got married. Was it easy? No. But we had healthy boundaries. And he knows. Like one time he tried to get fresh.
1: But God. But God.
0: it's not <laughs> <laughs> moving on so anyways but you, you know what I'm saying if you don't create healthy boundaries and you don't have those things set and this is not even for dating in your own lives if we don't have healthy boundaries in our lives guess what you will cross them there are God parameters so let's continue to read so stop being deceived people who continue to gauge in sexual immorality idolatry adultery sexual perversion homosexuality now we all as a lot of christians we just want to stop here because it's a hot topic button but that's not true to the whole scripture let's keep reading fraud ooh greed drunkenness verbal abuse and extortion these will not inherit god's kingdom realm it is true that some of you once lived in those lifestyles but now have been purified from sin made holy, and given a perfect standing before God, all because of the power of the name of the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, through our union with the Spirit of God. Listen, it's true that our freedom allows us to do anything, but that does not mean that everything we do is good for us. I am free to do as I choose, but I choose never be enslaved to anything. And that's in the Passion Translation. I love this. So if you find yourselves here, I am not beating. One of my most favorite things, one of my most favorite stories, and a lot of times I deal deal with people and relationships, I love Jesus when the woman who's caught in the act of adultery. This is really how I try to live ministry. When this woman who's caught who's taken, and I know we always say, where's the man? But for whatever reason, they're not caring about her. They don't care about her soul. They don't care about her as a person. They're wanting to prove a point to Jesus. And they're trying to trip him up. And so they bring her before, and they say, all right, our law says we're supposed to stone her. We caught her in the act. Can you imagine? I mean, this is stuff that went on. We can't, like, that doesn't, it doesn't even register in our brain because, like, we don't pull people out in the middle of the street and stone them, right? Right? But this was something that they knew is very real. This woman's life is hanging in the balance. Can you imagine the shame? Can you imagine the hurt? All of these things, the fear that's about, I'm about ready to lose my life. I'm out here bare and everybody to see me judging so they can make a point. And sometimes I hope as a church, that's not what we do. That we don't, because we want to get a point across, that we just pull people and use that to make our point. That we actually care about the souls that are lost in the darkness. And so they asked Jesus the question, our law says that we're supposed to stone her. What do you say? And he stoops down, and most of you guys know the story, and he's writing in the sand or doing whatever. And he says, all right, those with you who with Don't have sin, cast the first stone. And it says, from the oldest to the youngest, they begin to drop. Until she's left there, face to face. And this was us. This is who we were. Maybe you weren't caught in adultery. Maybe you were caught in addiction. We were all caught in sin, some sin that separated us from Christ. We don't like to talk about sin. We want to just say our struggle I'm glad for the conviction of the Holy Spirit. We need the conviction of the Holy Spirit. The church is not here to condemn and shame and guilt or manipulate people into making decisions, but they are, I do want the conviction of the Holy Spirit that will pierce their heart to say, you know what, I need a Savior. Because it says we have to repent and turn. And so here she is, and I love that Jesus looks at her, the king of the universe, full of love, full of purity, full of wholeness, all of who he is. And he looks at her and he says, where are your accusers? I don't accuse you. But he doesn't stop there. And he says, but go and sin no more. So he doesn't give her a free pass. But he gives her a way to freedom and redemption. And so, Neil, you can come. As we're talking about these, creating and dating, and we'll finish up next week, unless you guys want to give us another 20 minutes, but uh, on waiting and being captivating. So maybe you're in a place right now where your marriage is amazing and awesome. Or maybe you're in a marriage that you find very painful, and it's broken. I don't remember which couple said it. I think all of them alluded to it. It's Christ. When we put Christ, I don't care how bad your marriage is. If you both make that decision to say, hey, I'm going to come to Christ And maybe you're here and you said, you know what? I'm here by myself. My spouse doesn't even come with me. What am I supposed to do? You continue to pray. Continue to love. Now, if you're in an abusive situation, I feel that those are a little different. But if you're in a space where you say, man, I I don't, I need God to move. I think Glenda said it we have to have the holy spirit a lot of times we want god to change the other person right but really we need to allow god to change us there was a movie out a christian movie a while back i think it was love dare or something i can't remember something like that And the the couple was about to get divorced and this wise man said, Do these do these things. There's like forty things. He said, You do this, and the guy was ready to have a divorce, and he thought that by doing it it would change the other person. But really what began to happen is he got changed. And God has a beautiful way of doing that. God can actually give you grace. He can actually give you the joy and peace, even in midst of crazy circumstances. So before we just jump on, change my spouse, God, change me. I loved, God was into arranged marriages. Did you know that? Adam didn't choose Eve. God did. God knew what Adam needed. Maybe you find yourself in that dating space. Let him be the one who fulfills you first and foremost. Because when you do, then all these other relationships will be a blessing. And they'll find their proper space in your life.
1: I do want to just add one thing about dating. Um, I know it's an old book and many of you have probably heard of it. But if I can encourage you, man. Let that go. If you if you guys have kids, grandkids, man, it's it's putting romantic expectations on a relationship that's not ready to hold that kind of weight. It's it's pretending and and trying to earn advantage or, or putting these unnecessary expectations on something and I, I just honestly don't feel like the American form of dating And trying to hold hands and see if you can get a kiss on the first date. I I, I just don't feel like it's of the Lord. And I'm not judging anyone. I I promise you, I'm not. I'm not here to do that. I can say that I have the happiest marriage of anyone I know. And we didn't build our relationship holding hands and kissing and ooey-gooey, gine over each other. We learned to talk. We learned to pray for one another. We learned to care about each other before we ever started touching each other. And then we saved it for the wedding. And the truth is, I I really do believe, listen, man, we're all in relationships with people all over, right? Man, can I encourage you to encourage them? Man, don't put that on somebody. You don't even know if you like them. Don't be trying to kiss them. You don't even know if y'all like the same football team. She might be Clemson. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, then you'll be a house divided, you know, like, like, Get to know the person. And I heard one minister say, if you want to find the right person, run after God with everything that's within you. And then when you're ready, look around and see who's running with you. Charm is deceitful. Beauty is fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised.
0: And that it goes for us. I mean, I'm a strong woman. Like, I know my personality is strong. And I told Lord, and so even if you're dating, be focused on what you want. And what I mean by that, I said, God, I know how I am. And I know the biblical role my spouse, my husband, is to be the head of the house. I don't want to have to be carrying a guy. And I actually had a guy that I cared very, very deeply about. And he was a new believer. Great guy. But I knew I was more fiery and and passionate, not that he didn't love the Lord, but we were just, we weren't equally yoked even in that, and I say, God, I want a man who's going to pray for me, who's going to lead, who will make the hard decisions, somebody that I can trust, and I believe God said, you can have the good, or you can have my best, and you have to trust me with that,
1: I remember when we were on the, the pay phone, dropping dimes in, quarters in, and I asked her, I said, can I pray for you? And uh, she said, okay. And I was like, she doesn't sound excited about this, but okay, you know. Like, I'm going to go for it. So I prayed a blessing and, and prayed for her. And on the end of the line, it wasn't like, amen, hallelujah, I agree with that. We're Bible college people. Right. Like, we got the Christian lingo down. Just birds on the other end. I'm like nothing, and Chirp, chirp. I'm like, okay, I think that relationship's over with. And uh, but what I didn't know was she was on the other end of the line crying because that's the kind of person she wanted in her life. She wanted a man who wouldn't just say, "I'm praying for you." Listen, if you're a married couple, if you don't pray together, start today. If you don't have devotion together, start today. If you don't Weep in the presence of God together. Start today. And that can be
0: almost more vulnerable than the intimacy, if we're just being honest. I've literally heard
1: people say, I can't do that. You you don't know what you're asking of me. I'm saying, man, no, that's the most important thing. There's something beautiful. I remember the first time you prayed for me. I remember standing on the, the steps of the women's dorm, and she Father, in the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Ghost and the blood of the Lamb, I declare, I was like, I was like, what in the world? This woman's a warrior, scared the heebie dee out of me. But I knew, I'm like, man, if I got that kind of woman in my in my corner, man, we'll face hell with a water pistol, you know? like.
0: So this morning, I don't really know where we land, but... Can we pray for you guys? And then we're going to ask our prayer team to come up. And,
1: uh, I do want to pray specifically for one thing. And, um, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna be here if you guys need prayer, we'd love to pray with you about that. But specifically, I I want to pray shame off of you. Okay. If maybe you've been through a divorce and a, a message like this, just like, ah, maybe you've dated and you failed miserably and when you hear us talk about these things you're like man I just want to pray shame off of you so right here in this moment man would you just close your eyes if that's you man if, if the shoe fits kick it off as Todd White says I want to pray that shame off of you And so Lord right here in this moment Lord if there are people who are being confronted with And some of their failures and their drops they dropped the ball they messed it up maybe they're being reminded right now of relationships that probably could have went differently but they messed it up Lord I just pray that shame off of them right now I feel them removing that shame when John said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, that word takes there means the present ongoing tense. It means the Lamb of God who takes and keeps on taking the sins of the world away. So if that's you, man, and you're experiencing any kind of shame right now, I just say, By the power of the blood of Jesus, shame off of you. Let it go. There's some repentance. There's some conversations you need to have with the Lord. Have those, but I just declare, like Jenny said, man, go and sin no more. There's a better way, a better path.
0: Colossians 1 13, 14 says, He has rescued us completely from the tyrannical rule of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom realm of His beloved Son. For in the Son, all of our sins are canceled. And we have the release of redemption through his very blood so father we thank you today god for your word lord i pray for those who are married lord that the blessing of the lord would be upon their homes lord i pray for those who are here god that their spouses may not attend or may not believe god would you give them grace to be a witness of your goodness and your love. God, would you give them strength? God, would you give them hope? God, would you give them the prayers to pray, God? Would you give them the strategies, Holy Spirit? Lord, I ask that you would encourage them. Father, for those who may find themselves in in hard places with their spouse, God, let forgiveness come. Let bitterness be washed away. God, let unforgiveness be gone. God, let us start even today. Let it be a new day. God, let new breath be breathed into dead marriages, hard marriages, God. Let decisions be made to say, Today, we choose to serve the Lord. Our household chooses to serve you, Lord. And Lord, I pray for those who are dating, would they hear your voice and trust you in the process? That if you say no, they'll lay it down. If you say yes, They'll go after it, keeping you foremost. And Lord, we thank you for your blood. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your goodness. In the name of Jesus, we bless you. Amen. Can you give God a hand clap of praise? Our prayer team will be here if you need prayer for anything. We love you guys. You're dismissed. For more information to give or if you need prayer for anything, Visit
1: us online at reallifeministries.org. Shalom.